Well, good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that number, you can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would, whether you're in Baton Rouge or Bangor, Maine. You give us a call. It's 291-6901. And I get you right straight to the top of the list. Got all our lines open and minds are all fresh. That's it. And right now is the perfect time to call. There you go. We'll get your questions answered for you in depth. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) We're discussing before the show. And obviously the big topic here in Baton Rouge is all the flooding, the local flooding. And folks around the United States have probably heard. I have received so many very, very, very nice emails from folks around. Hey, we'll hope you're okay. Hope, Uh Hope your shop's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really it touches you. I've had people from new zealand and england everywhere else right send email concerned right and it just shows you how many good people there are in the world you know you always right. kind of dwell on the few bad but well uh, I, I tell you what even the people that lost everything in the flood mm-hmm. they're great people oh, they're helping each other out and things are just i mean they're not right along. they're not great yeah by no means but they're, they're getting things done well and you know i heard this morning someone was saying well these victims i said no i don't like that word i don't either. i do not like the word victim because that connotes someone who can't help themselves. And that is not what Louisiana That's, people are about. I can no. tell you. I saw people, as soon as the water was low enough to for them walk. to get in there, walk in. Right. They're in there hauling stuff down to the curb, cleaning their houses up getting ready you know right preparing and, and when they got done they moved to the next house well that's right and when you take all the commercial fishermen who brought their boats in the right. sports fishermen just to rescue people right i mean they didn't nobody pays them nobody asked them they use their own money their own fuel that's their right. own time go to, in to go in and, and help, help you so big old big old kudos there i thought today we would talk a bit about flooded cars and okay. some of the things because we've gotten so many calls this week and so many cars towed in this week right that right. had been flooded and one of the things that I hear a lot is people will say, well, my car was sitting. It wasn't running uh-huh. when the water came up. Isn't it, wouldn't it be okay? And no, <laughs> sadly, the answer is water gets in on a running car. It does certain things. But on a non-running car, it's it still going to do other things that are going to be just as critical, maybe even more critical. Right. And Another big question I get is, when is the car Mm non-repairable? And like everything, it's a matter of degree, how much water got into it. It's a matter of the design of the vehicle, because some cars are just designed in such a way they don't have a lot of computers and modules on the floorboard. Other cars do. Correct. For instance, two cars that came in this week, one was a Dodge Challenger. Right. There was absolutely no electronics underneath the seats or on the floor. Everything was up dash level. Right. That, which I thought was a wonderful design. I was kind of surprised Chrysler thought We, we were very surprised when we pulled the carpet That's out. That's not atypical of a Chrysler product. But then we had a Chevy Trailblazer. Trailblazer. And all electronics, I believe, oh, were on man. the floor. There were the fuse box, the body control module, the communications module, the SIR module. Right. There was at least four or five modules under the carpeting. On the floor, right. which were all wiped out. Well, Every sure. one of them was full of water. The water came up to the seats, I believe, in that vehicle. It did. It didn't get into the seats, but it came up, wet the carpet. So there are two vehicles with virtually the same exact amount of water. One, we have to take the seats and carpet out, clean it, disinfect it, dry it, and put it back in. Right. 
The other one is going to require at least five computers, and then the problem goes on from there. Well, what sure, that, other things could have been damaged. That water got into all the terminals. Mm-hmm. That water is going to sit there, and it's going to corrode those terminals, which is going to reduce the way the electricity and things flow through them. You're going to have electrical problems probably for a long time with that vehicle. Well, and what I know when most insurance companies, they say when the water reaches the dash of the car, they then pretty much just say it's total. That's it. We're not going to go any further. And that comes from very sound policy on their part. Right. Because they know the problems are going to be severe, continuous, and ongoing. That's that's it, the continuous problems. <laughs> yeah, because this is particularly bad if your car did get water in it. The very first thing you need to do is drive that car out. You need to get the wet carpeting preferably out of the car sure if you can remove the seats remove the carpet water blast it clean it if nothing else take a broom and some soap and detergent scrub it down good set it in the sun because the sun is a natural disinfectant Mm -hmm. it tends to kill bacteria and fungus and mold and those sorts of things but you're going to need to get that water out of the car right if you let the water sit in the car for a week or more what's going to happen particularly if it's sitting with the windows rolled up the sun is going to start to heat up the inside of that car. Steam is going to form, and it's going to get in every electrical component on the car. Yep. And the problems will pretty much be never-ending at that point. Not and only that, but if you mold that carpet, you can have an odor that you're just not ever going to get rid that's of. That's what I was just fixing to say. The smell is just going to be atrocious, mm-hmm. and it's going to get into everything. It's going to get into the headliner. Even though the water didn't get there, the steam and stuff will. Mm-hmm. The smell will soak into any porous uh, material inside the car. Let's just say it came up and got just on the carpet. Right. Well, if you leave it, that smell is going to get up in the seat cushions and in the seat fabrics, and that's going to be a smell you'll never get rid of. That's right. And not only that, but like I said, the moisture content in the car gets high. The average car today has 70 computers. Sure. The vast majority of those are inside the passenger compartment somewhere, Uh either under the dash, under the floor, under in the, the console, seat, under the, the back right. seat, in the trunk, somewhere in there. There are a few under the hood, but most of them are inside the passenger's compartment. Mm-hmm. When that moisture starts to get that high, it starts to get into all those computers and stuff, the problems and the cost of repair can very, very easily exceed the value of the car. That's why most insurance companies say, like you were talking earlier, when the water gets to the dash, they're pretty much done with it. Yeah, they're going to go ahead and total the car because they know at that point they've got a fixed cost. They can walk away. They can pay the people who own the car this much money and they're done with it whereas right. if they start trying to fix it it exceeds the value of the car they can't stop once they're into it exactly so they could end up spending way way more money and they have done this enough times oh yeah they know they know you got to watch you don't always agree with insurance companies you may not always like insurance companies but you can look at the way they handle themselves because they are good at making money and they make money by not losing money correct <laughs> correct i had a fella who had emailed a little earlier this week and he said one of his friends had an old Chevy van and the guy is really not a wealthy man, doesn't have a lot of money, but it got pretty deep in water and he was wondering what things can he do to go ahead and get this fixed so that he can drive it some more. Right. And like I had to advise him, I said, well, if the water got that deep, he's really better off not, he, he's wasting his money. Whatever sure. money he puts sure. into is going to be wasted. Take whatever he can get salvaged for the vehicle. Take the money you were going to waste putting this stuff into it and go ahead and, and invest in something else that hasn't been flooded mm-hmm. because a flood vehicle is just a nightmare oh yeah from a standpoint of repair They're, well just for the long as you own it 
yeah, it just tends to go on and on and on. I know lots of times we will find people who buy used cars that have been flooded and they don't realize it. Right. And normally they're just an inordinate number of electrical problems what brings their attention to it because they didn't have a pre-purchase inspection. Well, the pre-purchase inspection, chances are we'd have caught this before they bought it and sure. avoided the problem. But if you look under the dash, you get on your back under the dash with a flashlight, you start looking around, and you'll see all the aluminum has that aluminum oxide, that white uh-huh, that powder corrosion. all over it where it's been corroded. Right. And as you start to bring the carpeting and stuff out, the padding underneath will have foreign material, and it'll have little twigs and, and sticks and right. leaves that have gotten in there, and that's how you know you got a flood car. And generally, you're going to see just one electrical problem after another, after another, after another. You can repair what's wrong right now, but it's rarely ever going to be the end of the problem. Mm-hmm. It's just going to keep going and going and going. So. Right. That's that's the big thing about a flood car, and there's there's going to be so many flood cars Oh yeah, in this area. Well, and not only in this area, but what happens, a lot of unscrupulous operators buy these cars up for pennies on a dollar, take them somewhere else and sell them. Exactly. So they're going to affect people in a wide, wide area. Yes, hey, we've got to take a quick little break. Be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. It winds from Chicago. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. You just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldezan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And today we're talking about flooded cars and flood damage and the things that water does to cars. But we'll take a call any topic you might have. Just that give we will. There you go, 291 just in case you can't get through to us or don't care to call in. Okay. Or maybe something occurs to you after we go off the air or there you go. even next week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered by going to our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. Just click the button, fill out the form, and send it on in. That's right. Couldn't be easier. And right on the very front page, the top article is an article on flooded cars. Uh-huh. I brought that Great. up. It was an article I'd written a while back, but I brought it up to the top where you could find it real easy. You might want to go in and read that because a lot of the questions that we get are questions that are answered in that article. Uh-huh. But we were talking about cars that are sitting and the water rolls up on them, right. and that is certainly one serious, serious problem. But the biggest thing, if you can get the water out of it, if nothing else, if you have a dry place you can put the car, like under a carport or in a garage, open the doors and maybe take a fan and let it blow through. Right. Get a wet and dry vac 
or take some towels and just slop out as much as you possibly can. Most vehicles have a drain plug in the floor, rubber drain plug. Mm-hmm. If you get underneath the car, you can kind of find those mm-hmm. and get them moved out so the water, so gravity Runs out. can let the water run out mm-hmm. while you're trying to dry the carpet out. And sometimes a perfect solution is not necessary. A better solution is not as good as a perfect one, obviously, but it's still way better than not doing anything at all. Exactly. So if you do no more than take a cup and get in there and bail the water out, take some towels, soak it, wring them, soak it, wring them, get right. as much out as you possibly can, take a fan, open the doors, let the fan blow through it, that's going to help you out a huge, huge, huge amount Right. just to get that sitting water out of the car. and. Obviously, if you can get it into a shop or if you have the wherewithal to take the seats out and remove the carpeting, right. well, that's even better. Well, you can get the carpet out, and then there's what they call a jute, which is underneath mm-hmm. the carpet. The padding. The padding. That absorbs water also, mm-hmm. and that takes a long time to dry. So if you get it out, you may have to keep that carpet out a week. You may have, yeah, it's just depending it on what the weather out. is like. If you have some real dry, low humidity days, right. then it's going to dry a lot faster. But, but the carpet material itself dries pretty quick. Yeah. That's just a nylon-based material. And then underneath that, some vehicles have some other padding, some foam paddings Mm -hmm. here, some foam paddings there, uh, Mm -hmm. different types of material paddings. All that has to be dried also. Right, and a lot of the newer vehicles use a urethane-type mat that is not going to get a war. It's more right. like, a, like a tar almost. Right. With a paper. Uh, it's a soundproofing type of material. That doesn't have to be removed because it's water-resistant type Correct. material. But anything that holds water definitely needs to come out and be dried and preferably be disinfected let's go to phone lines with sonia good morning sonia good morning yes ma'am i have a 2004 toyota camry mm-hmm. and it's not it, i didn't have flooded but i went through some high water uh-huh. escaping from the flood mm-hmm. and now it makes a noise um hmm, kind of like a kind of like a when the fan comes on uh-huh when you drive it and the fan comes on, it'll make that noise. Mm, okay. Well, then, it very well could have gotten water into those fan motors because when you're driving the car, the fans are turning. And if the mm-hmm. water gets up and that fan picks that water up, it's going to sling it all over those two little electric motors. Mm-hmm. And the water can get in and wash the grease out of the bearings. And when that happens, you have to replace that motor because when it's making noise, it's also dragging, which means it's going to burn up. Uh, right. That's real, real important, Sonia, to get that taken care of before you drive the car. Not only does that cool the motor and the motor could overheat, but maybe more important, it cools the condenser for the air conditioner. Right, because it makes the the noise sound is more prominent when the when you turn the air mm-hmm. on. Okay. Yeah, I'm not running the air. Yeah, don't do that because that head pressure goes sky high. And what you can do is take a moderately expensive repair of replacing those two motors and turn it into an air conditioner compressor and all that if the compressor comes apart. Because if that head pressure gets too high, it'll take out the compressor and some other stuff. So it's one of those things, like most things, most of the shops in Baton Rouge are probably just inundated with work right now. So it's going to be a little while before you can get it in. But you need to probably try to get that on someone's schedule as soon as possible, get it addressed. Try not to drive it. And if you do have to drive it, for sure don't use the air conditioner. Right. And keep an eye on the temperature. Keep an eye on your temperature as well, yeah, because it could yeah. could overheat the engine also if that's the problem. Now, one other thing you might just try mm-hmm. in case you get lucky. It could be that some leaves and debris got caught up in a little fan shroud. Mm-hmm. So if you're fairly handy or you know someone who's fairly handy with the motor off and the key out of it, reach down where those fan blades are and kind of dig around there and see if there's any sludge or leaves or debris that got in there and the fan may just be beaten through it. Now, that would be a way better case scenario, obviously. Right, right. 
All right. So the so the motor that controls the turning of the fan. Yeah, there's what, there's two motors up on the front radiator that when you start the car and turn the air conditioner on, one of them comes on, and then when the engine starts to get hot, the other one comes on. So right. that's what I would probably suspect. Now, of course, there are other things that could be. I mean, water could have gotten the alternator. It could have gotten one idler pulleys. That yeah. would just have to be diagnosed. There's no way to tell over the phone if you got anything right. like that. But when you drive through high water like that, a number of things can happen. It definitely would behoove you to get someone to check the car because many things can be prevented if you catch them early. Okay. Okay? Thank you so much. All right, Sonia. Yes, Thank you, ma'am. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. And let's go back to our phone lines with Wallace. Good morning, Wallace. Good morning, Lewis. Uh, I've got another follow-up on your number one question this okay. morning, which really isn't very surprising on the flooding. Uh-huh. You mentioned that up to the dashboard, insurance companies will total Generally, cost. totally, Generally. yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And, like, even in these older models, you mentioned the van earlier, if it just got up, to not the bottom of the engine block, but up on, say, about halfway up the engine itself. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any chance of being able to keep that going for a while? Technically, this is a 1996. Yeah, I, I mean, I kind of doubt it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, every, anything can happen, Wallace, and for a while, it just depends on what you mean by a while. The problem is, if it got that high, it got in the transmission. And right, yeah. when water gets into a transmission, that's it, it's done, because the clutches are all water soluble. So those clutches are going to just disintegrate. Now, is that going to happen today? Probably not. Is it going to happen next week? Maybe so. If not, by the end of the month, very likely. I mean, could it go two or three months? Maybe. It's just not a hard and fast rule. It's sort of but, it's sort of like when a bone breaks and dirt gets in the bone, you can go in there and clean it out. But is it likely to have more problems? Probably so, you know. Yeah, right. uh, and not only that, it probably got in the rear end probably also. Probably got in the rear differential, exactly. which is going to emulsify all that. Right. It got in all the wheel bearings. That's you know, I've heard you mention before when they go through high water, there's a little vent on top of that differential yeah, in yeah. the back. Anything, drive, anything that has there, petroleum you're... in it has to be vented. Yeah. Because when right. you stir petroleum, sure. you produce pressure. So basically right any, so. anything with any type of petroleum in it, whether it's a wheel bearing or it has to be vented to the atmosphere. And, and that's how they are. And even on a 96, there's probably 12 to 15 computers on that vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. that water has gotten all inside the vehicle. It's, you know, the moisture is going to start soaking in all that. Electrical problems are just going to be pretty much endless. It's not that with enough money, enough effort, it couldn't be saved. It's just that the money you're going to invest to a futile end would be way better to put in something that hadn't been flooded. I mean, go buy a 89 model if you have to. You're still going to be better off than you are with that. Right. I mean, if you right. find an old dog that's just something that can run for a while, you know, you could be better off than what you got there. Kind of like how far we need to get away from Baton Rouge to find a replacement that isn't potentially well, free Well, you're anyway. just going to have to have everything <laughs> yeah. is going to have to be That's inspected because right. it's not going to be a Baton Rouge problem. I'm going to tell you right now, there's unscrupulous oh, yeah. operators right now who are loading cars on 18-wheelers, and, and they're going to take them up north. Yeah, you may be in Cincinnati, right. Ohio, buying a Louisiana flood car, you know. Any car that was registered in Louisiana that yeah. is being sold out of state, I'd look at very, very carefully. <laughs> even, right, right. Even some of the new ones that aren't registered yet yeah. got water in them. Yeah, I saw two or three dealerships, their entire inventory went underwater, yeah. and theoretically those cars should be totaled and crushed, but who knows? There's a lot yeah. of money in yeah. taking a car and cleaning it up. <laughs> yeah, for next to getting it for next to nothing. Yeah, and right. where, where there's money, there's, there's corruption, you know. 
I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think sitting in a particular waiting room. For there that you night. go. <laughs> okay, Lois. All right, Wallace. Thanks for calling, man. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number, and we got Randy on the line. Good morning, Randy. Hey, uh, Lewis is Randy. I came in and talked to you the other day. Okay. Uh, you know, you old UPS fan. Uh-huh. Come talk to you. I forgot what you told me. I have an 08 Honda Civic. Uh-huh. It only got about three inches of water. And floorboard. Okay. Now, State Farm is supposed to be coming picking up the vehicle to bring to the salvage yard for their man to adjust, you know, to look mm-hmm. it over. Okay. How much electrical stuff on the 08 Honda do you know? Oh, considerable amount. Pro- huh? Probably 30, 40 computers on that vehicle. And I don't know exactly where they're all located, but I'm sure there are some of them under the seats and under the floors. I'm trying uh, to think on a Honda. I can't, I can't remember. I, I just don't remember. I work on so many different cars, Randy. Right. But, I mean, it's likely going to be, they say they were going to total the car. They didn't say. They didn't say. They're going to just go come out and look at it. Okay. Yeah. What you need to do, Randy, I mean, that water has been sitting in there now. No, it's for... already dried out. We've got a shop back. Got it all the water Okay. Out. Well, good. Good. Okay. Well, you, you prevented, prevented a lot of errors. You know, if. The car was dried out pretty quick, and the water didn't get over three inches. You can change all the stuff that went underwater, and you may have some future problems, but you may not. I mean, I wouldn't really be scared of the car. Particularly, most insurance companies will give you certainly not an extended warranty. are not going to fix everything that goes bad. But if something goes bad in the reasonable future, and it can right. be equated back to water getting into it, they'll generally come back and cover that. They'll write a supplement on it. You know, I would look for things like maybe a wheel bearing going out or multiple wheel bearings going out because the water does leach in through those seals. They're not watertight. Right. And right. it's it may take three to six months for that water to cause the bearing to fail. Right. But, you know, those sorts of things. But if they were to give me some kind of assurance that, yeah, if you have future problems, they would cover it, I would have no problem fixing that car. They wanted to cut me a nice-sized check. Well, that would be uh, even better, but... You know, insurance companies aren't going to throw money away. They're going to do whatever's the least expensive for them. And, I mean, I don't – if you got the water out pretty quick, which it sounds like you did, they're willing to go in and replace all of the computers and all that were damaged and then give you some kind of assurance that if you can show me any other future water damage, we'll cover that as well. I mean, that's still pretty good, you know? Yeah, Yeah, because, like I said, the car's 08, and it's only got like $50,000. Yeah, I wouldn't be scared of that car. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Yeah, that's what I need, though, because I forgot what you told me the other day. <laughs> All right, guys. All right, All right. Thanks, Appreciate man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would absolutely love to have you. Just give us a call. We'll be glad to talk to you about flood damage or any other problem you might have. Hey. Check engine light or air conditioning doesn't work. Hey, you give us a call. 291-6900. That's, that's, that's shop number. Zero one. There and you that's, go. And that's the brand And that's our number. number. <laughs> <laughs> Take a quick little break and be right back with more. Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was, All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. 
Bring your vehicle in once a year, and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was, uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And let's see, we got a pile of lines lit up here. Let's take our first call. We got Edward on the line. Good morning, Edward. Hey, good morning, fellas. Listen, Louis, I appreciate you being on the air today, helping out the community. Thank you. My question is this, and most like like most people, I've got a 2015 Roush, and I know it's done with the uh, Water was up over the dash. But my question is this. My wife's car, the water came up right underneath the dash. Mm -hmm. However, it's been sitting in the ditch, you know, for the last week. Yeah. Um, If the insurance company decides that it's not total, what am I kind of looking at as far as what damages? And would I be better off just saying, hey, you know, I'm going to take the loss and and sell it for pennies on the dollar? I would get rid of that car regardless. and. You know, under those conditions where it's been sitting with water in it for a week, yeah. I'm pretty sure the insurance company is going to total that. But, you know, the only thing you can do, if the car means something to you and you want to keep it, then you got to get the water out of it right away. And you have the right to mitigate damages. It's sort of like if your front window blows in. You know, the insurance companies always say, well, leave it like it is. I want to see it. But you don't let burglars come in through your front window. You don't let it rain in through your front window. You put plywood up. You mitigate damages. Same thing with your car. You want to get the water out of it as soon as possible, and that's not going to violate your insurance agreement or anything. you got to get the car out of the area and such as that. But right. as you said, I think you'd be better off if they don't total it, but I'm pretty sure they would. But even if they didn't, I would just go ahead and get rid of that car. I mean, the, the odds of that having continued problems are just yeah. just really, really high. Okay, Better yeah, to salvage that car and take what's good out of it and move on. Yeah, because my my biggest concern is you know tearing up carpet and sheetrock at this moment. I'm not really worried about exactly. The car, that, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Now uh, with, with it sitting in the ditch for the last week, you know, yeah. and, and it didn't go over the dash. I just I, I'd hate to see my insurance company say you know here's some money and, and get it fixed. Yeah, I, I really kind of doubt yeah. that. I, I remember after Katrina, a lot of people had similar issues. In almost every case where water had stood in the vehicles for a long period of time, they ended up totaling them. Sounds great. I appreciate you guys' help. You have a good afternoon. Thanks, Edward. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to call Automotive Art, we absolutely love to have you. And we got John online. Good morning, John. Hi, Louis. It's John from Toronto. Hi, John. How are you hey. this morning? Good. I'll be brief because I know you got a lot of people that are in need help there. My son had 07 uh, Civic, like the fellow that talked a couple of minutes ago, mm-hmm. and uh, it got flooded in a, in a parking lot about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And as soon as the water went in over into the carpet, because all the electronics are on the carpet, they just rolled it right off. So mm-hmm. I tell him that the odds are it's probably going to, they're going to do the same thing. Yeah. They gave him about $8,000 for the car at that point, you know. But. Yeah, a lot of cars do put, got to put computers somewhere. Right. And under the carpeting is a relatively safe, out of the way sort of a place, and so they stick them there. But they don't, they don't think about well, this car may flood, and there's the cars aren't built to be flooded. Right, they're not built to be submarines. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. I just wanted to be brief because I know you've got a lot of people are trying to get on. So we'll all right, John. All the best. Well, thank all the best, you, guys. All right, man. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number, and we've got Harrison's been patiently holding. Good morning, Harrison. Yes. Good morning. I have a two thousand six Durango. Uh huh. And I've had it tested for uh, 
trying to get my to figure out why I'm losing so many miles on, on gas. Uh-huh. I've had some tests run. I've changed the spark plugs. Had the injectors clean, but I was told that the way I did it, it wasn't really a good job done on it. Well, and, I tell you, Harrison, that injector cleaning is one of those services that's so oversold very, very rarely is going to ever help a problem with fuel mileage. Injector cleaning, if it's even necessary, is generally going to be a rough idle type situation. Because when you're running down the road, it really doesn't care if you're pouring that gas in there in a bucket or spraying with an injector. So much gas goes in, the O2 sensors and the airflow meter are going to regulate it. And you know, whoever told you to do that, and that's probably not the kind of person who's going to be able to solve this problem for you, let me give you some ideas, some things to look for. Number one, by wide, wide measure, make absolutely sure the vehicle's getting to full operating temperature. Because if the thermostat partially sticks open and the temperature drops just maybe 10 degrees, like it goes from 195 to 185, your fuel mileage is going to go in the toilet. Because it doesn't have a choke on an injected vehicle. So when engine temperature drops, it starts to fire those injectors. So a cool operating temperature where it's running too cool, like a stuck thermostat or something, is the number one cause by a wide measure. And you may not see that in the gauge. You need to know what the computer is seeing right. because the computer is controlling the injector. Right. And see, it could even be the sensor for the computer thinks the engine's too right. cold. Doesn't matter if it is too cold or not. If it thinks it's too cold, it's gonna then it's going to do the same thing. And you're going to really start to flood and really burn a lot, a lot of fuel. Now, beyond that, a few more things. There is a system in the fuel tank called an evaporative emission system if that system malfunctions generally you're going to have a check engine light but what it can do it can purge fumes across tank if it constantly purges fumes across your tank it's going to evaporate a lot of gas which is going to cause your mileage to go in the toilet the third thing is if either the airflow meter or the oxygen sensors aren't reading correctly and they can be reading but reading incorrectly then that is going to cause a lot more fuel mileage now, the last thing is, of course, if you have something like a dragging brake or something, it's going to take a lot more power to push that car down the road. Something like the torque converter not going into lockup. But now we're getting into way more obscure things. But check those other things first, and I think you're going to find your fuel mileage issue. Okay, well, I wanted to say I had some tests ran on it mm-hmm. with the temperature, and I was told the temperature was fine. Mm-hmm. The motor light, it didn't come on. Mm-hmm. We've been checking the torque converter just right. to see it. Right. Same as if you said it, he thinks it's all right. So what I wanted yeah, to do. I'd find somebody else to work on the car, Harrison. You, you know, when you say he checked it and he said the temperature was okay, okay, how did he do that? Uh, he hooked something to it and, and drove the car. Yeah, but I mean, you know, I would get, I would want somebody else to look at that because. I'm going to call your shop. I'm going to call you. Uh, yeah, you could do that. I mean, there's two sensors and. If the guy yeah. stuck a thermometer in the radiator or put a temperature gauge on or took an infrared thermometer and says, well, okay, it's, it's good temperature, or more likely just drove it and looked at the gauge and said, no, the temperature's good, he's just not doing due diligence. He's not looking at all the possibilities. Now, another thing, of course, if the computer itself has malfunctioned, it could have all the proper sensor input and just miscalculate the data. And that's okay. another possibility. So there's just a lot, a lot of stuff there. But, yeah, how much down is your mileage, Harrison? I'm saying around eight miles or so. I just yeah. get 24 yeah, on highway and 18 in town. I'm doing around 12. Yeah, see, I mean, if you yeah, drop that, eight a, miles, I mean, that's a huge amount. You're talking 30% mileage decrease. Something's wrong. Yeah. You know, it's just they're not looking it's close enough. It's just a matter enough. of finding what's wrong. Yeah, they're just not looking close enough. If I bring it by there, could you 
find out without a doubt what's happening? Yes, sir. You just need to call Elaine and make an appointment because right now we're stacked up about two weeks. Hey, you still there? I think, I think we, we lost, lost him. him. There you go. Yeah, just call Elaine at the shop, and she'll set up an appointment, a time you can bring it in, and we can be check it out for you and let you know what's going on. Let's see if we can catch one more of these calls before our break. We got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Yes, I have a quick question, Lewis. You bet. We were helping a friend, and we parked our car in a high place, and then around noon we saw the water was up halfway, two-thirds up the wheels, and we drove out to water that was bumper high, mm-hmm. a Land Cruiser, a Ford truck, and a Chevrolet truck, mm-hmm. and then walked back to help him. Is there anything we should do because we drove three quarters of a mile? Oh, absolutely. Uh, On a Land Cruiser, you need to check front rear differentials and transfer case transmission and make sure all those didn't get water in them. If any water got in the differentials or the transfer case, generally you can pull the covers, completely clean it out, change the oil, and maybe even do it a second time, and you'll usually be fine with that. Because those are mostly metal, and if you get the water out of there fast enough, you'll be great. Now, if water gets into a transmission, that's a whole different matter. You're generally going to be into rebuilding a transmission because it's going to fail. But What about a Ford and a Chevrolet? Same exact story, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Okay, Miss Jim. Hey, we got to take one more quick little break. Joe, you hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Man, I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at Agco Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we can answer almost any question you might put to us. Why don't you go ahead and give us a try? It's 291-6901. And we've got Joe's been patiently holding. Good morning, Joe. Hey, Louis. How you doing? Doing great. My daughter has a 2012 Highlander. Uh-huh. The water got up about 15 inches. She got probably two inches in the floorboard. Mm-hmm. Is there anything she needs to do? Yeah, she needs to get that water out of it immediately if she hadn't done well, it I yet. That. I've done all that. Okay, if you got the car dried out, the next thing to do is tow it to a competent shop that you trust, have them go through it and see what things are going to be damaged. There's certainly going to be some damage because there are some computers under the floor, under the carpeting. Other than that, you know, the wheel bearings and all that stuff most likely got water into them. There's no way to take them apart and clean them. You just have to kind of wait and see what happens. If it's an insurance company involved, they will generally give you some consideration if the wheel bearing fails within a reasonable amount of time. For instance, if it, if it fails in the next six months, we take it apart. It's all rusty and full of water inside. They'll cover it. Now, obviously, if it fails three years from now, they're probably not going to cover it. And you know, did the water shorten life? Maybe, but wheel bearings do just go out too. So it's not a blanket amnesty. They're going to cover everything that ever breaks on your car, but I wouldn't have any problem under the circumstances you mentioned and the water got out of the car pretty quickly. I wouldn't have a problem fixing that car. Yeah. 
Right, okay. So you think you could drive it, though, I mean, now? Have I probably towed. wouldn't. I'd just go yeah. ahead and tow it, and you may have to wait. I'd probably call somebody today and start getting on the waiting list. I know the record service that we use is backed up you. two or three days right now. Yeah, okay. So, well, I'll, I'll have to set up an appointment with you, I guess. That or just get it in, and we'll put it in the lot and get to it quick as we can. If I mean, okay. she's not driving it anyway. It, you no. know, a lot of times... See, we already had probably two weeks of appointments on the books when this happened, and a huge number of those folks are going to cancel because the house is flooded. Right. You know, they got other things on their mind. So we just kind of, it's impossible to schedule right now, so we're just kind of taking it day by day. Okay. Well, I'll do that. I'll okay. try to get it all in the next week or so. Okay. Sounds good, Joe. Okay, man. Thanks, man. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. Let's go to our lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris. Lewis. Hey. Yes, sir. You got a 2006 Silverado. Mm-hmm. 4.3 liter. The last couple of weeks, the battery light's been coming on on the way home, mm-hmm. but I found that I can turn it off at the red light, crank uh-huh. it back, back up, and it goes off and okay. stays off until okay. the next day. Uh, yesterday, it did it twice on the way home, mm-hmm. and this morning, I went to crank it up, and it cranks over just fine, but it won't start. Mm-hmm. Any relation? or Possibly, but not necessarily, Chris. I mean... The one thing that would come to my mind, you could have a problem in the PCM can make the battery light come on, and, of course, it could fail completely, catastrophically, and then the Vehicle car wouldn't start. start. I mean, that's a one thing. All those battery lights on that year model Silverado, I've noticed a lot of times there's some little terminals on the back side of the alternator that tend to get loose or corroded up. A lot of times there's a, a terminal kit you can get from GM, and you can replace those terminals on the back side. Not the big one with the nut, but there's where little B-terminals plug in. We've changed right. a lot of those and fixed intermittent battery lights. So that's one possibility. I mean, it's always a possible also that the alternator is failing and just hadn't failed completely. But, again, that doesn't really relate to the no start. It could be a no crank, you know, where the battery was dead and it wouldn't crank over. But if it cranks over fine and just won't start, it, it almost sounds like you got two different issues going on. Right. Okay. And you're backed up a couple of weeks, huh? Well, we are. But again, like I was telling Joe, it's impossible to schedule right now. So we ask people, the car's not running anyway, just tow it in. Because every day we get tons of people who don't show for appointments that were made. So we got a lot of free time. We just don't ever know. We have to keep your appointment if we can't contact them, I and you know, with the phone services and all down, we hadn't been able to contact a lot of folks. So we try to call everybody the day before and see if they're going to show up, but we just never really know for certain. So if the car is not running anyway, you get to us, we'll probably get to it a lot, lot faster, probably within a couple of days. Great. Okay. I'll try and have it over there on Monday. Then. Okay, thanks. Chris. All right. Thanks. thanks. Thanks, man. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive iron, just in case you don't get a chance to call in today or something to occur to you have to go off the air. That's right. You can always get your questions answered on our website, which is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. Click the button, fill out the form, and send it right on in. There you go. And, you know, before we run out of time, there was three more topics that I wanted to address. One is when the vehicle is running, you can come into a whole different set of circumstances where if you suck water, water. into the intake. Right. You hydro actually hydrolock the cylinders, mm-hmm. and you start bending and breaking parts, in, internal engine parts then. You may bend a rod just a small amount, show absolutely no symptom immediately, but the engine will probably fail. Sure. So... Check the air filter and see if it's wet. Right. If the air filter's wet, so you need to change it and put a dry air filter in, 
but there's a possibility that water got past the air filter and got into the engine. So, and water at that level usually gets into the vent of the transmission also. That's right, if it got that high. And, you know, even driving through not as high a water as that, what happens is a surge. The front uh-huh. bumper's pushing this water, and it surges up under the hood. Right. Another thing is you may be carefully creeping along in, say, six-inch water, but the jerk on the side of you comes flying by, produces a wake, wake, gets up over the transmission vent or whatever, and gets right. water in. So if you have to drive through high water at all, it is certainly a good idea to check all the fluids, make sure there's no water in any of them. Right. And while we were on the transmission service, mm-hmm. flushing a transmission is not going to help no. get anything out of it. Hardly ever gets any of the original fluid out. Well, what's going to happen is you got a lot of these people who don't know what the heck they're doing, and they can say, oh, we're going to flush the transmission, we'll get 100% of the fluid out. Absolutely does not get 100% of the fluid no. out. Doesn't only, even get as much fluid out as a regular service gets out. The only way to get 100% is to take the transmission rebuild apart. It. Yeah, rebuild the transmission. Right. That's the only way to get 100% of the fluid out. What you are much, much better off to do is to drop the pan, replace the filter, fill it with fluid, run it, and do that again maybe two or three times. That right. will get virtually the vast majority of the fluid out. Right. When you are flushing a transmission, number one, if water got into the pan, as long as it stayed below the valve body, you drop the pan, drain it out, don't start the car, you may even get by, sure. save the transmission. Sure. You go in there and flush this water through the transmission because what happens when you're flushing a transmission, the motor has to be running. You're using the pump on the transmission to push the fluid through. Correct. Now, where the numbskulls that push this stuff go so wrong, they'll tell you this is going to get 100% out. What's happening, a transmission, if you ever saw one torn down, it's not a linear flow. There's nowhere on there where fluid is just flowing to one spot. The pump is picking up the fluid, vastly overpressuring it. There is a regulator that is regulating it to the proper amount of pressure and dropping the rest back in the pan. So the vast majority of fluid is pumping around the loop. It's Correct. just circulating around through this loop. Some of it goes out to the clutches. Some of it goes out to the cooling circuits. Some of it goes out to the drums. Some of it goes out to the radiator to be cooled. Right. Now, what they do is they take and interrupt the line to the radiator, and they catch the fluid coming out there, which is a small portion, maybe 20% of what's coming out maybe. of the whole unit maybe. at most. They dump that into a bucket and then they put fresh fluid back in which dumps right back in with the contaminated fluid and gets circulated around again mm-hmm. and they run however many fluid quarts Quart. hold the transmission holes let's say it holds 12 quarts they run 12 quarts through well they've probably gotten about 30 percent of the fluid out right and they're telling you they got 100 not even close you just don't understand how a transmission works not only that but you're stirring all this debris and sludge up which is further restricting the filter right you're making the problem worse so it is never ever acceptable to flush a transmission and certainly not acceptable when you get water in it. exactly best thing if it didn't get in too deep drop the pan change the filter change the fluid a couple of times and hope for the best that's now, it if water got circulated through the clutches you can forget it yeah it's, they're, it's they're done if you ever saw a transmission clutch you could take it out throw it in a bucket of water come back about 24 hours later and there's nothing but a piece of steel there that's it because those clutches are water soluble they're running in oil all the time so they can't use a petroleum soluble glue so to use a water-soluble glue. Because water's never supposed to be in there in the first Not place. Not ever supposed to have water in transmission. Right. So that's why they do that. But once water gets in, circulates around, you may get lucky. It may go a few days. It may yeah. go a few weeks. But generally, that transmission is going to come apart. It's going to fail. And so, when it does, it's going to be catastrophic. Well, you know, I know folks who, oh, I don't have insurance. I don't have the money for another car. Well, God bless you. 
flush it out, you know, go ahead and drain out the fluid, do what you got to do, hope for the best. Right. It may go for a while. Maybe it'll go for a year. Who knows? But it's going to fail. Yeah. But, I mean, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. Yeah, if you've ever seen one that had water in it, all the clutches are, the, the material's gone off the right. steels, and the steels are rusted. Right. Oh, it, it's what a you can't nightmare. Do, you can't leave the water in there. No. Because no. then it, the trains will no longer be rebuildable. It'll rust all the gears and bearings. And right. It's and not it's, even rebuildable at that point. It's it, basically a whole other transmission begotten. So exactly. I wanted to be sure we covered those two items. The third thing is... In the Baton Rouge area, and particularly in Denham Springs and all, a lot of service stations went underwater. Went underwater. Completely. I'm talking about several feet of water right. sitting on top. And while those tanks are quote-unquote sealed, they, they, they are not designed to have six feet of water. <laughs> no, they've got precautions against water intrusion. Mm-hmm. But under normal, conditions. under normal conditions, providing everything is the way it's supposed to be, they, that's right. there's seals and everything to keep the water out. Mm-hmm. And... When the water gets around those tanks, it can lift that tank out the ground. It can. And there's precautions against that. Mm-hmm. But if those tanks move, they could fracture a line, a service right. line, and something like that, and let water intrude. Right. Needed gas in my car to go to New Orleans this weekend, but I waited till I got down to about Laplace before I bought right. gas. <laughs> right. I'm just not going to take a chance because I don't want a tank full of water. I'm not saying bought- that's going to happen everywhere, but it could certainly happen. So... Be well, I, very, very careful where you buy fuel. If you can, pull off a sample and, te- and, and test it. Yeah. You know, I, I bought five gallons, and I tested it before I put it in anything. There you go. It's not a bad idea. I think we can maybe sneak another call we'll in We'll give here. it a shot. we got Stephen online. Good morning, Stephen. Yes, sir. I got a 2002 Dodge Ram 1500. Uh-huh. 4.7 liters. And I did what probably everybody else did. I ended up in high water with it up mm-hmm. to the front bumper, and... Immediately had a check engine light come on. Right. Code come back with a TPS. Okay. Throttle position sensor was right. not working right. It would have over revved like a thousand RPMs. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, we died turning right or left. Changed the sensor out. It's been running fine ever since. But mm-hmm. your conversations about the transmission issues, I was curious what symptoms would be experienced. Well, the first happened. symptom you're going to have, Stephen, is when it goes. Completely out, and you right, got to put another transmission. There ain't gonna be any symptoms. It's, right. it's, it's just, just gonna, gonna quit. Oh, yeah. it's, it's gonna, gonna quit. quit. What you got to do is proactively go ahead and drop the pan. Look inside. If there's any water in it, well, it's probably too little, too late. But I mean, you could try changing the fluid a couple of times, changing the filter, and hope for the best. But once water gets in it, it's usually done. What kind of cost is it? Is experience with dropping the pan and changing? Oh, a couple hundred dollars. It's not that big a deal. But okay. it's just if it's got a lot of water in it, it's pretty much done at that point. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you might give it a try, but you got to get the water out of it if there's any in there. If not, it, it won't even be rebuildable. Gotcha. All right. Thank you so much. Okay, thank right. you, man. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to have to start winding on up and getting on out of here. Drake, I'm sorry I couldn't get to your call today. If you give me a call back next week, we'll be glad to get your questions answered. Or better yet, go to the website. And send Lewis an email that way. You That's get right. Send me an email. That I'll also. answer it for you this weekend sometime. So. <laughs> Another hour. Yeah, there you go. Boy, I had a pile of folks call in. A lot, lot of calls. Lot. I figured we would on, on this topic, such a timely thing. And, you know, the big thing is you have to mitigate the damages. Don't just wait. Kind of like the last call of what kind of symptom. Well, the first symptom is going to be you need a new transmission. Correct. Because the water is a liquid just like the fluid. So it it'll circulate good. around. It, yep. can, it can't be compressed. So it'll apply the clutches. It'll do all these things. But at the same time, it will attack all the metal in the system. 
And when you start to rust up the gears, rust up the drums, rust up the bearings and all that, yeah. now you end up with something that really just can't be repaired. Right. It's, it's going to be a full replacement then. That would be a replacement unit once it gets to that point. So as soon as possible, go ahead and get these things done. Yes, get the water definitely. out of wherever it is. And other things like wheel bearings where you just can't do anything about it, you just got to kind of take a wait and see. Right. When you just have to deal with them as they, as as they, they happen. But I can guarantee you in the next three to six months, we're going to be changing a lot of wheel bearings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> always do. Anytime it's high water. We do. Hey, we're going to start getting on out here. Tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And tell your friends and Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service and give us a written review. Yeah, give us a written review. That'll move us up in the rankings so more people can tune in. And more people tune in, the longer we can keep on doing the show. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.